Today is the beginning of Advent. Did anyone know that? Quick show of hands, who was aware? The Christmas tree is a bit of a clue, isn't it? Um, So Advent Sunday is today. And it's not just a one-off. This is the beginning of Advent, that time of year when we look forward to Christmas. When we prepare our hearts and we pray and we anticipate and we wait And I want to talk this evening a bit about waiting and about that Christian discipline of what God does during times of waiting. What does it mean for you and I to wait in our lives in different ways? And the truth is, I really don't like waiting. I'm not good at it and I don't like it. I've realized there's two particular situations that I really struggle with. One is waiting in traffic. And uh, if my wife were here, she would give you lots of stories how I'm terrible at waiting in traffic. The other is um, waiting in a supermarket queue. And uh, I am one of those people who is continually scanning the various aisles to work out which is going to be the quickest. And it's a very complicated calculation. For those of you who don't get involved in this, you know, I'm going to open your eyes to a whole other world. As you're trying to work out, looking across all the queues, Who has got the least in their basket or trolley? You need to work out, do people have fruit vegetables in their their basket or trolley? Because that can take longer to to weigh and therefore to get through. Trying to work out, are people going to pay by cash or are they going to pay by card? Because that also influences the speed with which they can move through the queue. And all of this is going on in my tiny brain as I'm trying to work out which line should I join. It is one of the many signs that I struggle with waiting. I've also waited for some more significant things in my life. Uh, Liz, my wife, and I have waited for three babies as um, they have, my wife's been pregnant for each one of them to be born. I have waited uh, this year and, and over the years with friends and family who've reached the end of their lives, being with them in their last few days and weeks and months. I've waited for five years to discern from God, where was he calling us? Was it London? Was it Reading? Was it anywhere else? And I've also waited with some of you, going through times of difficulty, of grief, of unemployment, of sickness, times of struggling with mental health, whatever it may be. Waiting is inevitable, but it is hard, isn't it? Maybe you're here tonight and actually you are in that place of waiting. And it's really difficult. It's frustrating. But the scriptures show us that waiting isn't just some empty space between us praying and God fulfilling and answering those prayers. But there are times when God works in us. Actually, there are times when often God has, does his deepest work in you and me, as we wait. Abraham waited for 25 years. Joseph waited for 13 years. Moses for 25 years. Jesus waited for 30 years. And so if you're here tonight and you are in a place of waiting, you're in good company. And so we're going to pray now together that God would meet with us as we seek him tonight through these words of Isaiah. As we think about what is God doing in those times in your life and my life when 
we're waiting. So let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that you are sovereign, you are Lord of Lords, King of Kings. As we seek you tonight, would you come and speak to us? Reveal to us, Lord, what it is you're doing for those of us who are waiting. Spirit of the living God, move amongst us. Show us your ways. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So um, I'd love to encourage you to keep these words of Isaiah open. Um, So for those of you who've got printed version, we're on page 723 in the church Bibles or just have the scriptures on your phone, whichever uh, works for you. These words that we read in the book of Isaiah were about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. So we're in the 6th century BC and we know that Isaiah was prophesying at a time when God's people were held captive. They had been removed from Jerusalem, they'd been taken hostage, they were in exile in Babylon. And they were desperate times for the people of God. If you flick back through the chapters, really from chapter 1 of Isaiah right through to chapter 39, we begin to get a sense of what is going on and the, the desperate situation of God's people at the time. They were waiting. They were waiting in Babylon to be set free. And so as we read these words in chapter 40, we we get this little window into what does God do when we're waiting. And the first thing that we can see in this um, passage of scripture is that God speaks in our waiting. God speaks as we wait you know, it was, um, I think it was about eight years ago, Liz, my wife, and I were in London, and we were trying to discern what God was calling us to. And we had this clear sense that it was time to move on from where we were, but we weren't really sure what to. And so we were praying and seeking him and seeking the counsel of friends and people close to us. And an opportunity came up in southwest London, and we thought, you know, this feels right, so we We spent two years praying and pushing the door to discern, is this the right thing for us? And uh, I would say most of the way along that journey, it kind of felt like, yes, this this seems right. But towards the end of that two-year period, as we were pushing the door, it just slammed in our faces. The door was shut. And in different contexts for you, maybe, as you think about those times in your life when that's happened... It's bewildering, isn't it? And so we were thinking, God, what was all that about? We've just been praying and seeking you for two years. And we've now got this door slammed shut in front of us. But I know now that as I look back with the benefit of hindsight, that that time of waiting on God, of praying and seeking him, was a time when he spoke perhaps the most powerfully to Liz and to myself about who we are, about the fact that he hadn't abandoned us, about 
who God is, about his call upon our lives. He was increasing our trust in him. And I suppose most crucially, as I look back now, I can say with confidence that God was preparing us for his call for us to come to Reading. To Reading, folks, here we are. So it was all part of that journey of God preparing us, speaking to us. Even though that door was shut at the time. So as we look to chapter 40, and we've got to remember the people of God are literally on their knees. They are desperate. They're crying out to God. Chapter 40 marks a complete turning point. And so what we see is that what we've been reading up to chapter 39 the tone shifts altogether. And so we find that we move from desperation to hope as we turn into chapter 40 and from catastrophe to comfort. And so we read these words in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And in fact, if we were to try and summarize the whole of this section of Isaiah, which goes from chapter 40 to chapter 55, the the banner over this section would be the exile is nearly over. And what we know is that with Old Testament prophecy, there are usually at least a couple of different senses of that being fulfilled for each prophecy. And so what we know is that in the immediate uh, outworking of this prophecy from Isaiah, God's people returned to Jerusalem in 539 BC. They returned back to their city to rebuild the temple and to worship the one and only true God in freedom. But we also know that there was a a second sense of this prophecy being fulfilled. So if you have a look with me at verse 3 of chapter 40, we read this. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. And on he goes. And so Matthew, the gospel writer, when he writes about the John, John the Baptist, uses these very words of Isaiah to, to point to the fact that these words in Isaiah are written about John the Baptist, the one who came to prepare the way for Jesus. And what's fascinating with Old Testament prophecy is that what we read about in the physical sense in the Old Testament is often worked out in the spiritual sense in the New Testament. So for the people of God in the Old Testament, they are being set free from captivity in Babylon and they are able to go back to Jerusalem. There's a physical liberation. And we know, don't we, that in the New Testament, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, the one who brought spiritual freedom from exile, that exile between us and God, that separation that was caused by sin between us and God. And Jesus came to break that separation, to provide a bridge to us, back to our Father, to be reconciled with him. Now to understand these words in Isaiah, we need to kind of dig in and 
get a real sense of who is speaking here. So I really want you to encourage you to have a look at these words with me. So we're going to start chapter 40, verse 1. And what we read is quite clear in verse 1 is this. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. God is speaking. But then in verse 3, as we've just been thinking about, we read about another voice, a voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. And then in verse 6, if you have a look, we read about another voice. Now, it might be the same. It might be a different voice. A voice that says, cry out. And then we read, I said, Isaiah the prophet speaks, what shall I cry? And then in verse 9, we read about Jerusalem, God's people speaking out. And so what we read through these verses is that this waiting God's people are going through is not just a passive waiting it is an active waiting there's a sense that God speaks comfort comfort my people and then it is passed on down the line it's like a baton in a relay race that's being passed from God to the to the prophet to God's people and then spoken out from Jerusalem from God's people across a much wider area That this is an active waiting. It's not just that God's people are are there saying, Lord, we need your comfort. They receive his comfort and it stops there. But in their place of waiting, there is a call, not just to pass on this message of comfort, but also to pass on the truth of who God is. And so in verse 10, we read these amazing words. And in fact, just before I read them, and of when Joe was teaching us that new song just now, you know, we, we've been singing about the majesty and the power and the might of God, but also his love and his gentleness. And this is what we read in verse 10. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. He rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms And carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. These are amazing words, aren't they? God's people's eyes are being opened again. In the place of waiting, they hear God speaking. Who he is, mighty, powerful, sovereign, ruler, king of kings, lord of lords. But also a loving, tender father just wraps his arms around those who are struggling, those who are hurting, those who need tender comfort and love. He is the lion and the lamb. And so in this place of waiting, God's people are called to pass this message on. And that is our call, isn't it? You know, we are waiting, whether it's circumstantial, whether you feel that you're in that place of waiting tonight, Or whether you don't, we are all waiting. Sort of take two or three steps out and zoom out. And as we look at the narrative of the history of the world, we stand between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. 
We are all waiting. And in that place, we are called to pass on the message, the good news of Jesus. One of the reasons why we're saying just invite friends to the carol services. Invite them to Alpha starting in January next term. Share with them the story of what God has done for you in your life. The way he's shown his power, his gentleness. Pass on the good news of Jesus. Part of the challenge, I think, for all of us is we live busy lives. We charge from one meeting to the next, from one encounter to the next, from one day to the next. And we are so busy. I meet so many people who say to me, David, I just don't hear from God. I can't hear God. And I want to say to each one of them, you know, God has spoken. God speaks today. We read in here in verse 8, the word of our God stands forever. Maybe it's not that we don't hear God. Maybe it's just that in our busyness, we're not listening. And there's something about this place of waiting where we slow down, we're forced to stop, not to be continually thinking about the present or the past, but to just be. And in that place of waiting, we're reminded that God hasn't forgotten us, that God stands with us, He speaks as we listen. As we listen, we're reminded that God is with us. God is with you. God loves you. God sent Jesus to die for you. God, by his spirit and with Jesus, is interceding for you now in your lives. Waiting is an opportunity to draw near to God. hear him what is God wanting to say to you in your life right now so God speaks to us but he also transforms us in a time of waiting someone asked me this week David what has been your highlight of 2019 so far I don't know about you I hate those questions I can't think of anything. I can't think of anything at all that happened this year. It's like when someone said to me just now, how's your weekend? Completely blank. But I was thinking about all the good things God's been doing here at Greyfriars and about Liz, my wife, and our kids and God's goodness in different ways. But then as I stopped and I really thought, what has been the highlight? I was reminded, and I've shared this with some of you, 26 years of waiting. 26 years of waiting. I have been praying for my mother for 26 years. I 
I think uh, some of you know she had resisted God her entire life. I didn't grow up in a Christian family. My mother has been an alcoholic her whole life. And two weeks before she died, she laid down the bottle. I mean, quite literally, she was drinking vodka and whiskey at a rate I've never seen anyone drink in the nursing home. And she laid down the bottle and she turned to me and said, David, I need God. Hallelujah. 26 years of praying. You know, if I'm honest during that time, I've been thinking, God, what is going on? You know, can I at least have a sign of something that you're doing something in my mum's life? And praise God, he reached down from heaven two weeks before she died and rescued her and saved her and she is now with him for eternity. But you know, as I think about what went on there, 26 years in that time of waiting, God was transforming her. He was softening her heart. He was preparing her. You know, I used to describe her as being like an onion. He was peeling some of those layers off to reveal a tender, broken heart. But perhaps what was even more astounding as I look back at that time, those 26 years of praying, was the work he was doing in here. Because he was preparing me and he was softening my heart towards my mother. He was making sure I had really forgiven her. He was making sure that I was empowered by the Spirit to share the good news of Jesus with her, to pray with her, even during those times when I just wanted to give up. And after 26 years of praying, persistently banging on the door of heaven, saying, Lord, break through, he did it. And it wasn't just the highlight of my year. I just wonder whether it will be the highlight of my life. You know, whether we think about the Israelites waiting in the desert or God's people in exile here in Babylon or Daniel in the prison or the Apostle Paul in prison on his way to Rome. There is something precious and powerful that God does in these in-between times while we're waiting. While we are waiting, God is working, transforming us and transforming those that we are praying for, those that we are standing with, even if we can't see it. We read these words at the end of chapter 40. Let's, um, in fact, why don't we just read them together now? It's good to read scripture together. So um, let's start from, um, we're going to read from chap, uh, chapter 40, verse 28, but from where it says, the Lord is the everlasting God. So we're going to read those together. Is everyone more or less ready? Great, we're going to do it. Let's read together. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary 
and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Whatever you are going through in your life right now, whether you are going through grief or joy or anxiety or struggles with mental health or unemployment or sickness or separation in any shape or form, I want you to hear tonight that God is with you. God is with you. That is the message of Advent and Christmas that God has come down to earth to be with us. And that as Jesus came to this earth, we are caught up in this amazing story of salvation. And what we read here at the end of chapter 40 is something of what this means, what it looks like for you and me. And what I love about these words at the end of chapter 40 is that in verse 31, what it reads, how it reads certainly in, in these Bibles we have in the church is, is this, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. But the word in the Hebrew for hope here is kavar. And it doesn't just mean hope, it means wait. The word means wait and hope. And so some translations will read just like this. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And this is the transforming power of God, that as we wait, by his spirit, he draws alongside us. He comforts us. He restores us. He heals us. And that then pours out into the lives of those that we stand alongside as we pray for them and share the good news of Jesus with them. It's the very breath of God in you. God's transforming power to renew and restore and give energy and strength for everything that you face in your life. And this is why at the end of this chapter we have this amazing picture of an eagle. Eagles don't flap, folks. They are not in the business of flapping. They soar. They soar gracefully on thermals of air. And what this scripture is telling us is that that is the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. We are to soar, to be carried by the Spirit of God. Not to flap, but to be held effortlessly by God. And so as we wait, we can be expectant that God will speak to us, he will transform us. And that we too can be like that eagle. But it is an act of trust and faith not to flap. But just to be still and to wait and to be lifted and held by God. 
So can I invite you to stand, please? And we're going to pray together as we do a bit of waiting on God ourselves. There, is, um, there are some words in, I think it's 1 Corinthians. We may have even used it tonight. That prayer of Advent, O come, Lord. And I just want to encourage all of us to pray that now. Just pray it in your hearts. Come, Lord. Come, Lord, in my life. Come, Lord, in this place. Come, Lord Jesus. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. I just, um, I sense tonight God asking some of us who are really battling with waiting just to come forward. Um, We don't always do this. We respond in different ways. But I just want to encourage you, if you are in a place of waiting, and we're not going to quiz you about what that is, that place of waiting, just to come forward and just kind of line up somewhere at the front and we would love to pray for you. And can I just say, it's a brave thing to come forwards. No one's going to be judging you. No one's going to quiz you about the details. This is about you and God. But we're just, as we come forward, bearing in mind, I'm the first one that's standing here. We're saying to God, This place of waiting is really hard. Help. Come, Lord. There's just also um, this sense, um, you know, if there's one thing that is harder than waiting on God, is wishing that you had. If there's one thing that is harder than waiting on God, it's wishing that you had. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're here tonight, and and actually, because waiting's been so hard, you've walked away and you've turned from God, because it's just too hard. And God stands with his arms open wide tonight, and he welcomes you. And if that's you, just... Again, come forward. And I just encourage you, if you're here at the front or if, you know, if, if, if for whatever reason you haven't felt you can come forward, maybe just open your hands. It's a sign of us wanting to receive from God. And I'm just going to pray for those of you who are here at the front. And, and maybe the ministry team can just move around if you want and 
just men with men, women with women. If we've got you know people on PCC and church group, uh, small group leaders, prayer ministry team, just move around and lay a hand and, and pray. But the folk here at the front, but for all of you here, Lord, we want to pray Jesus Christ. your help Lord we're asking for your help tonight for some of you you just actually just kind of need to start to let it out you know just tell God how hard it's been to wait he knows you he loves you he knows how difficult it is but you know, the psalmist models this for us. Just tell him. There's something in the very act of speaking it out that is a powerful cry of help to God. Lord, would you come and meet with each person here tonight? Thank you, Lord, for those who've come forward and they're just desperately seeking you. Thank you, Lord, for those who haven't come forward tonight, Lord, but for different reasons, just find this waiting thing hard, Lord. Lord, we read that patience is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We need your help, Lord, in that place of waiting. Would your spirit strengthen us? Lord, in that place of waiting, would you minister to us? Would you speak? Just even tonight, Lord, break the silence. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord Jesus. Words of truth, words of promise, words of affirmation, words of hope. Pray, Lord, that just like that eagle, that you would, by your spirit, just give all of us the ability to let go. I think that's just a real powerful word for some of you tonight. God is saying, let go. I've got this situation. I am your God. The sovereign Lord comes with power. gathers the lambs in his arms, carries them close to his heart. Tonight, some of us just need to give it over to God. Just let God be God. Entrust the situation you're facing to him, the people you're waiting on, the people you've been praying for, the impossible situations that you're battling with. Nothing is impossible for God. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And Lord, that is our, our prayer tonight 
for every single person here. Spirit of God, renew our strength, renew our trust in you. Renew our hope in you, Lord. Renew our belief that even in the waiting, Lord Jesus Christ, you are doing majestic things, unseen, but known deeply by you. 